0: Every week, we uh, get a chance to hear from you about uh, questions that you've got. Uh, the way you ask them is through our response slip. That sounds like this when you rip it off. Ah, there you go. It's a chance for you to write some questions on the back. You can also see on the front. It says, it's got a whole lot of boxes to choose from. Uh, it's like a complex menu here. You can tick lots of different ones. You can get the weekly e-newsletter. You can help serve at church. There's even a box there that says, I pray today to become a Christian. And I'm going to talk to you a bit more about that box in just a little while. But over the last few weeks, you've asked me some questions. There are seven tonight. And uh, the first question we have here is, how did Stephen remember all of the details in his speech? Well, that's what we're up to in the book of Acts. Last week, Stephen got dragged before the Jewish leaders and he did this most amazing speech. I reckon he probably didn't have his iPad in front of him like I do, reading it all out. Uh, I suspect he didn't have all the notes written on the back of his hand. He had to just stand up there and do one of the most remarkable speeches of all time. And if you heard us look at it last week, you'll see that it started right at the back with Abraham and bit by bit, he joined all the dots where he said that everything that happened with Jesus is exactly what had been promised beforehand. So how did he remember it all? Well, I'm sure that the Holy Spirit helped him to be able to put all those words together in such an amazing way. But uh, unlike us today, where we've got screens all over the place and and even books, um, if you know what what they are, uh, then uh, they didn't really back then have a lot of written down stuff. They were very much an oral... Uh, kind of culture where they would remember things, and often they'd be memorising large slabs of the Bible. Uh, we don't see people do that as much today, but uh, it's a it's a sort of a, a lost skill, a, lo- a lost gift, really. But I'm sure that Stephen, as a man who was was devout, uh, would have known lots and lots of the Bible and would have memorised lots, and I think that's how he remembered so many of those details. Question two: How can Acts chapter seven twenty two say that Moses was powerful in speech? when Exodus 4.10 says he wasn't? I really like these kind of questions. I kind of say, hang on a second, there's a bit from the Old Testament that seems to say A, but then we get to the next, you know, the bit of the New Testament that seems to say B. Are uh, you trying to trick us? Or what's the deal? Did God make a mistake? All those things. Uh, well, no, I'm not trying to trick you. And no, God did not make a mistake. Uh, I, I think that when we have a look at Exodus chapter 410, God is saying to Moses, I, I want you to go to my people and I want you to speak. And in particular, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the bad king, and say, let my people go. And Moses, who was a bit of a chicken, um, said, I don't like to talk in front of people. I don't th- that's not my gift. And God's like, well, yes it is. No, it's not. Okay, well, Aaron, your offsider, will be the man who does the speaking. But in the end, we see that through Moses and what he did and what he said, powerful things happened. And uh, that, I think, is what's captured here in Acts chapter 7 where Stephen, enlisting all the different things that happened, he mentioned that Moses was powerful in speech and in act. Question three, did any of the Jews who stoned Stephen eventually repent well I know of one that's for sure and that is Saul who we also know of as Paul that's next week so stay tuned we'll hear about how he does the biggest 180 degree backflip that you're going to see pretty much in history Uh, what about any others I'm not sure I, I was trying to think through it and I couldn't come across anyone at this stage But I think it's pretty likely that of the 70 blokes who were there listening to Stephen as he stood up and told them about how awesome it is that Jesus is alive, I reckon that there'd be a reasonable chance that some of them would be just having some second guesses. And it may well be that in due course they repented of the fact that they had rejected Stephen and rejected Jesus and had come back to follow Jesus. Don't know about that, that's just a hunch. But either way, we certainly know that Saul, who was also known as Paul, did just that. Question four, what was the significance of placing coats at Saul's feet? You remember from last week, it's the grisly, horrible thing where where Stephen's done this amazing speech where he talks about how everything fits together in the Bible and how he himself is telling them, don't make the same mistake as so many others did in the past in rejecting the one that God sent to save the world. Don't do that. And they did just that. And the way they did that most clearly was that they, in fact, put Stephen to death. And they did that through stoning, through throwing big boulders on him. Horrible, disgusting death. But that's how they killed him. What's the significance of placing coats at Saul's feet? Well, they took the coats off because it was such heavy duty work to be killing someone like that. It's a horrible story. But I think it also, it showed that um, Saul was protecting their very valuable garments from, from perhaps damage or robbery or something like that. But Saul was certainly involved in a certain way, wasn't he? And he wasn't maybe picking up the stones, but he's kind of like a part of the team. And uh, we'll see even more tonight that he was totally on board with the grisly death of Stephen. Question five, how long after Stephen's stoning did Saul get saved? Uh, It would seem to be a few weeks, months, maybe even within a year. Last week was chapter seven of the book of Acts, chapter 8 there's a bunch of things that happen as the gospel spreads out from just Jerusalem and sort of gets scattered out to Judea and Samaria Uh, and then a bit later on after Saul has been running around dragging Christians from their homes to try and throw them in prison sometime after that we get to the point where Saul actually does the backflip and follows Jesus so how long I don't know I'm guessing a few months that's my guess Second last question, did Saul change his name to Paul or keep both names? I reckon I probably said last week Saul before he changed his name to Paul. Uh, No, technically speaking, Saul kept two names. He kept his, Saul Saul was his kind of Hebrew name and then Paul was his Greek or his Roman name. And uh, sometimes it will specifically refer to him as Saul. Other times, certainly as he's writing in the New Testament, he'll talk about himself as being Paul. Uh, If you want to see where both fit together, you can look at um, Acts chapter 13, verse 9, where it says, "Saul, who is also called Paul." So there you go, both of them together. He was a guy who sort of straddled both cultures. But the 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 the, um, the Hebrew Jewish kind of culture was sort of in his blood but also at the same time he was able to hang out with all the Greeks and the Romans as well and be fluent in that sort of world. And funnily enough, God didn't send him to go and reach the uh, reach the Jews. He got others to do that. He said, I want you to go out and go to the Gentiles, to the Greeks. And that's what we'll see next week so powerfully. Finally, question seven. Are Christians a type of Polish Jew? Well, Poland as such wasn't really around in the time of Jesus, as it stands. So uh, there are lots of different types of Jews, and they'll often talk about Jews as being from a, a particular, you might say, you know, New York Jews or Ethiopian Jews or whatever, Jew, as being the, a, a person who has holds to the Jewish faith, but is from a particular country, and they shape the way in which they act in their Jewish ways. So let's kind of just strip it back and say, are Christians a type of Jew? good little question isn't it because Jesus was a Jew wasn't he I mean he was totally into the whole Jewish thing he went to the temple he had bar mitzvah he did all the Jewish sort of stuff right but does that mean that the followers of Jesus are Jews as well well no Uh, there was this big kind of crossroad in history and that is that even though Jesus came to the Jews because he was a Jew the Jews said uh uh you're not the one we're waiting for he's like ah oh, no I am it's like no you're not yes I am no you're not and we're going to kill you and they did tonight we get to see a man who was a Jew a full on Jew and he read about Jesus and his life was turned around and so he went from being a Jew to being a Christian a follower of Christ now that said there are some people around who grew up being Jews and have then come to follow Jesus as Messiah, or they'd say Yeshua as Messiah, they would say in, in Hebrew or something like that. You don't know Hebrew, so I could have just been clearing my throat and you'd just be thinking, well, he's very smart. But, um, but they still ad- adopt a whole lot of the the Jewish kind of culture, and yet they recognise that Jesus is the ultimate Jew, which is just awesome. I love that, that how there's that transformation in belief, but, a culture that remains the same. And so we should be praying for many Jews to come to know Jesus as the Messiah, which is what we should be praying for.